I read an article recently entitled Gray Divorce, G-R-A-Y, Gray Divorce, Why Older American Couples Are Parting Ways After the Kids Leave the Nest. According to one study, divorce rates doubled for Americans 55 and older and have tripled for those over 65 from 1990 to 2021. At the same time, divorce rates among young adults have decreased. Think of that. There's been an uptick in divorce among baby boomers since the 1970s, the writer said. They were part of a generation that came of age in the 70s and late 60s when there was a much more individualistic spirit that was coursing through American life. It was called the Me Decade. After their kids moved out, many Americans in their 50s and 60s became more comfortable parting ways. One pastor noted more than 10,000 people are reaching the age 60 every day in America. These baby boomers are hitting their sixth decade and most of them aren't ready to retire. They just don't know what to do with themselves. They're lost because they don't have a purpose anymore. The article continues, when people are getting divorced even at a later age, they often pay a hefty financial penalty for it. Count the cost, the writer said. Maybe you try to write it out. Maybe the money would be better spent on marital counseling than on an attorney. The most important relationship next to God must be that of each other in your marriage. We will reap a harvest where we place an emphasis. So I ask you today, where are you in your walk with God, in your heart and relationship with each other? I think about how people get to a place of where they think, well, it's over. And there's no hope for us. And I ask, is it possible to rediscover the reason you got married to start with? Can a strained or broken relationship be mended? Charles Spurgeon said, while Christ lives, there is hope for even the toughest situations. As long as there is life, there is there's hope. And maybe you're a hurting heart today. Broken hearted. Broken relationships. Can they be healed? They can. And I want us to look at how the Lord pursued a broken relationship, not on His end, but on the end of Peter. And so, take your Bibles and stand with me, and let's turn to John chapter 21. John chapter 21, we're going to read verse 15. John 21 and verse 15, let's read it aloud together. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Thank you. you may be seated. 
God wants our broken relationships to be healed. I want you to write this down, if you will, number one. How can they be healed? By determining we're not finished. We're not finished. In verse 3, Simon Peter saith unto him, I go a fishing. I'm out of here. It's over. I've denied the Lord. I'm just embarrassed. I've humiliated myself. I failed the Lord. And so I'm turning aside and going another route. Spurgeon said, nine times out of ten, falling away from God begins in the neglect of private prayer. We lose heart. We lose hope. It's over. In my walk with God or in my relationship with another. Remember in Matthew 16 when the Lord was saying that I'm going to die, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, I'm going to be killed, I'm going to offer up myself as a sacrifice. And Peter said, no, no, Lord. Uh, no, you're not going to do that. And Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of man. You're not seeing this from God's perspective is what he was saying. You're looking at it from your limited perspective, but this is the will of my heavenly Father, and I want you to see this and I want you to understand that this is the purpose for which I have come. Hold your place and look with me back in Luke chapter number 22. Luke chapter 22, turn there please. I preached this recently about how Jesus said in verse 31, Unto Simon Peter, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may what? Sift you as sweet. And Jesus said in the next verse, in essence, I have prayed for thee because in essence, I'm going to let this happen. In essence, this is the reality that you're going to face. But I've prayed for you that when you are converted, when you get your right mind and your right heart, when you come back to me, you'll let me use you to strengthen your brethren. You'll let me use you to help you to serve me and others once again. Now Peter went away from the Lord, but the Lord didn't go away from him. They fished all night and they caught nothing. But in verse 4, back in our text of John 21, the Bible says, But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Would you underline that? In essence, Jesus said, I'm not going anywhere. Think about those who keep coming back to you. Think about those who keep humbling themselves. Think about those who keep saying, I'm sorry, forgive me. Let's work this out. Let's figure this out. Let's get some help. Let's seek some help. Let's help each other. I'm here. That's where Jesus was. We're not finished. I'm not going anywhere. Jesus... Oh, Peter said, I'm going fishing. Jesus said, I'm not going anywhere. Well, I'm going here. Well, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be where I've always been, ready and willing to receive you back to me. What about your heart today? Don't shut people out. Don't harden your heart. Don't get to a place to where you say, hey, it's over. I'm going to give up on you. Aren't you glad, Jesus? never looks at you and me and says, hey, I'm done with you.
I'm tired of this. It's over for good. I'm out. That's not the heart of our Savior. Let your broken relationship be healed by determining we're not finished. God helping us, this will not be our end. Number two, by declaring, I'm going to pursue you. Jesus not only stood there, he was not only present, but he was pursuing Peter. In verse number 13, Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. Jesus just kept coming. He declared that I'm coming after you. I will not let you go. Have you ever tried to leave someone who said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee? Have you ever tried to get away from someone who said, listen, this is not the end of us and I'm coming after you. Wherever you go, I will pursue you and I will woo you and draw you even back unto myself. Oh, I marvel at this. Remember this very matter of the Lord with a forgiving heart. I'm ready to forgive. I'm ready to receive you. Keep your heart open. Keep your heart tender. Be ready to forgive. Pursue one another. One writer said, He who cannot forgive others destroys the bridge over which he himself must pass. Are you ready to forgive? The Bible says our God is ready to forgive. He's ready. Matthew 26, verse 35, Jesus talking to his disciples, Peter said unto him, Though I should die with thee, yet will I not deny it. Don't be too confident in yourself because there's no telling where you might tread and where you might end up and where others might have to, in essence, pursue you and track you down. Don't be overly confident in yourself. Be confident in the Lord. Look back in chapter 18. I want you to see this. John chapter 18. Find your place there. This is powerful to, to me as I think about this in verse 17. Remember Jesus had told Peter he would deny him. And you find it in John chapter 18 and verse 17. Then saith the, the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? He saith, I am not. Look at verse number 25. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. Then said therefore unto him, Art thou not thou one also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. And then you read in verse 27, Peter then denied again. And immediately what happened? The cock crew. Think about it. Jesus said, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me three times. He said, though everyone else deny you, I won't deny you. Though everyone else forsake you, I'm not going anywhere. And he's the one who went somewhere. He's the one who said, I, I'm done, I'm finished, it's over, I'm leaving. 
But then Jesus pursues him. Jesus comes after him. Notice back in chapter 21. We let our relationships be healed by just determining that we're not finished by declaring, I'm going to pursue you. And then number three, by deciding, I'll take you where you are. He comes to him in verse 15 and asks him, he says, Now, lovest thou me more than these? Do you love me more than these others love me? You pledged your loyalty to me, your devotion to me. Do you really have a heart for me? I like how Jesus asked him, lovest thou me? He didn't say, you don't love me anymore, do you? He said, do you love me anymore? Do you love me? Accusations harden. Questions convict. Don't miss that. You don't love me anymore. Do you love me? You see the difference there? Sometimes it's our heart and our pain that wants to lash out. And we've got to stop and say, hey, I just want to know where we stand. And if you'll study this here, he says, like Phileo, I'm fond of you, I like you, we're good friends, we've been a lot of places, met a lot of people, done a lot of things together. I'm not where I once was. And Jesus asked him as this unfolds, do you love me? With a sacrificial love, the word is agape. You said you'd go with me all the way. He said, feed my lambs. Then he said, feed my sheep. Because that's the picture of the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Do you really love me? Because if you do, you're going to be willing to stand fast. You're going to be willing to serve. You're going to be willing to sacrifice. That's what true love is. I'm willing to hurt. I'm willing to suffer so you won't have to. That is the heart of God. That's the love that God wants in our heart. But he takes us where we are and he fans that flame and says, I'll take you right at this point of fondness even because I'm not finished with you and I refuse to give up on us and what yet we're to do together. I think about what the Lord is doing in my heart and in my life. And I think about how God is teaching me. I look at others oftentimes. I think about what they've done to me. And God says, but wait, turn that thing around and think, but what have I done to them? Some people live their lives. This person did me wrong. I tell you, that person, oh, I'm telling They're just perpetually aggrieved. And I'm not minimizing that pain. But have you ever turned that around and said, Lord, but what's in me that makes me respond the way I do to this person? What's in me that makes me feel this angst and frustration and anger and perpetual resentment? Lord, help me. You got to get to the place of where you say, God helping us, I've decided. I'm willing to humble myself and just start right where I am and where we are. Wherever we are is where we are, right? It is what it is. Let's not talk about what is not, what it used to be, or what we'd like it to be. Let's talk about what it is. It is what it is. 
And I'm willing to humble myself before God and say, Lord, take me from this place forward in my service and my devotion to you. I don't know about where you are today and what God's trying to deal with you about, but there's a lot of brokenness in people's lives that I see. And we got to get to the place to where we say, hey, some hope is better than no hope. Some love's better than no love because you can take the little love and you can fan it, right? It can become a blazing flame of devotion anew if you'll take it where it is. Now, Jesus could have just finished Peter off, right? A smoking flax will he not quench. The candle's burned down, it's about out. Most people say, oh, finish it off. That's not the Lord. He takes us where we are, and whatever little flame is left, He fans that flame. And He rekindles that devotion, that love, that commitment. Who is it preaching like a mighty man of God? On the day of Pentecost, Peter, the one who cowered in denial, the one who ran away and said it's over, but the one who was pursued by the Lord who loved him and said, I know where you are. I'll take you where you are. I just want you to see where you are and let me draw you back to myself. Four of us need to see that. That's God's heart for us. If you could see God's heart, if I could see God's heart, I always thought the Lord was so exacting upon me. I thought he was just always ready to say, you did what? You said what? You thought what? What am I going to do with you? I'm just so tired of you. I am done with you. See, that's the way others have treated us. But Jesus never has treated us that way. He has never looked upon us in disgust and says, this is as far as I go. His heart of love is greater than our sin. Perfect love from God casts out fear, a fear of rejection, a fear of not being good enough, a fear of saying, I've gone too far, I've messed up too much. Perfect love cast that fear out. And it's the heart of God open to you and me that says, hey, listen, we're not finished. It's not over for us. I'm coming after you and I'm going to take you where you are. But I'll tell you what, number four, you let a relationship be healed by directing, hey, let's work together again. Let's work together again. You say, now, what do you mean here? Well, if you'll study this and as it unfolds, In verse 18 we read, Verily, verily, that means truly, truly I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, What? Follow me. Follow me. Come on. There's more for us to do. Now, it's all going to end one day. And I know exactly 
how it's going to end. By the way, God knows the end of your life and mine. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. He knows the day of your death. He knows the mode, the manner of your death. Amazing. They're going to take him when he's old. He can't really carry himself and others will bear him along and they'll, they'll crucify him like they did, they did his Lord, but he'll say, I'm not worthy to be crucified like him, so they'll crucify him upside down. Think about that. Jesus said, I know everything about your life and your death, the timing and the circumstance of it. Between now and then, follow me. Come on. Get back in here. Let's walk together. There's something I want you to do and us to do together before you leave this world. As the Lord allows me, I take a one-hour drive up the road and I pull up to Cross of Christ Lutheran Church in Rimertown, just outside of Mount Pleasant. I normally sit in my car, sometimes I may get out, but I sit there and I look at my grandfather's grave who died in 1961, about 10 months before I was born. I never met him. His grave is there, my grandmother, uncles and aunts. I see my Uncle Max who was always so kind to me, always helped me. I see his wife, Ruth, they died back in 2018. My dad died February 10th. I was thinking about that yesterday. 2009. As I sit there and I look at his grave and I think about it, I, you know how that is. I talk to the Lord but also talk to him. I know he's not there. Any of you know what that means, you know? <laughs> I, I'm talking to him. But then I'm thinking it through. And I'm thinking as I look there, I can't tell you how many times the Lord has quickened my heart and said, now that's where you're going to be one of these days. And it's going to happen much quicker than you think. Because my dad has been dead now for 15 years. 15 years. As I sat there and I look, I think 15 years, wow. And then I look at other people that were neighbors of ours when I was a little kid living there. And I look at there and think, wow, they've been gone for 20 years. Wow, they've been dead for 30 years now. Boy, I remember them when I was a little boy. And the Lord uses that to remind me, you're going to be leaving this world one of these days soon. Whatever temptation you're facing, whatever weariness is in your path, there's always a path forward if you'll humble yourself and seek the Lord. Because God knows that our days are numbered and our time here is short. And some of us, the closer we get to leaving this world, the harder our adversary is going to fight. Because if he could take us down at whatever stage of life, then that could cause others to lose heart and to be turned aside. Smite the shepherd, the Bible says, and the sheep will be what? Scattered. So I can't tell you how many times I've sat there. And back during the Black Plague, years ago, they said preachers would actually go because they would dig the graves ahead of time because so many people were dying every day and every week. They were burying people every, all the time. And preachers would go and on Saturday they would kneel by an open grave realizing fully it could be their grave 
that coming week and said, Lord, help me to preach as a dying man to dying men. May there be an urgency about what I'm doing because I just don't know how much time I have. That's what God is saying to Peter. Don't waste this time. You've stumbled. You've disappointed yourself. You've disappointed uh, friends. You've disappointed me. But I, I do love you. I still have a heart for you. And I'm not finished with you. Don't just uh, wallow the rest of your days. If some of us, that's where we are and that's where we're going to end up. There comes a point in time where you say, but God's left me here. And, and the fact that I have life means that there's hope. And that means that there's a purpose for me being here. God has a reason for my life yet. So Lord, show me what you would have me to do from this point forward. Someone has said that the prime time of life is any time of life when you're happy doing God's will for your life. You can be someone who is a joyful, victorious servant of God in these days. Oh, may the Lord help us. I think about this. The Bible says in verse number 20, Then Peter turned about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's speaking of John following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? And Peter seeth him. Seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? And Jesus saith unto him, If I will, or if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? What are these next three words? Follow thou me. Come on, get back in here. Let's work together again. A mark of spiritual maturity is when we move from, Lord, and what shall this man do? To, Lord, what will thou have me to do? That's what Paul said in Acts chapter 9. Lord, what will you have me to do? God wants you to move beyond worried about what others will do or not. What are you doing? And I want to ask you this this morning. What is the most important relationship you have in your life? You say, well, of course, it's the Lord. I trust so. What is the next important? I'll tell you one way to know that is what do you have on the home screen of your phone? Whose picture? That's not altogether defining, but it's pretty close, right? Victoria came across some pictures of me and Rebecca at our first Valentine banquet. She said, look at these, Dad. I said, whoa, I hadn't seen those in years. I didn't even recognize the guy in the picture, you know. <laughs> he had so much hair. I th I, that's what I was amazed about. And, uh, and there he was sitting across from this beautiful young lady. She's 18 years old. Of course, at the time, I thought, you know, she's grown up. She, she's, a, she's a young woman. But now, Victoria's about to turn 20, and I'm like, you know, you got at least 10 more years still at home. I mean, come on, don't even think about it. Talking to anybody. And I thought about that. I, I thought about how faithful the Lord's been to us. I took that picture, and I put it on my phone. You know, the half that was the fella, you know, cut it off. But that young lady, I put that picture there. I thought, there's my bride. Let me ask you, how's your relationship? If you've been married for some time, you've had to weather some things. You've taken on water. You've been through some tough spots. But hasn't the Lord been faithful to you? Hasn't the Lord helped you? 
Is the Lord not ready and willing to help you still? Does He not want you to be ready and willing to help each other? To seek reconciliation? To come to the place in you to where you say, hey, there's two important relationships in my life. Many others are important, but not as important as this. My relationship with the Lord and my relationship with my husband or my wife. That's what I'm going to work on. Because everything else in life is going to come out of that. Your day-to-day life. And how you serve the Lord and how you serve others. You say, well, I'm in a point of true brokenness. Well, God is at a point of true grace and true mercy. He just wants you to humble yourself and say, Lord, is there a path forward for us? And the Lord will give you wisdom. You can't choose for others, but you can choose for yourself. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, And make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Remove the obstacles that keep tripping you up. What is it? Is it social media? Is it people you talk to too much? Is it other misplaced priorities that you pursue instead of pursuing a healthy relationship with the Lord and with each other? What is it? Get those out of your life so that your relationship in your heart and in your home can be healed. I read this story and I was amazed. A man and a woman had been married for more than 60 years. Anybody here been married more than 50 years? All right. All right. God bless you. Wonderful, isn't it? I think about this. Here's a couple been married for more than 60 years. They shared everything. They had talked about everything, kept no secrets from each other, except that this little old lady, this wife, she had a shoebox at the top of her closet, and she cautioned her husband never to open it or ask about it. For all those years, they had never even thought about the box. But one day, his wife got very sick, and the doctor said she would never recover. And trying to sort everything out, he found this shoebox, took it down, and she agreed that it was time for him to open the box and see what was inside. When he opened it, he found two crocheted dolls and a large stack of money. Amazing. He asked her about the contents. When we were married, she said, my grandmother told me the secret of a happy marriage was to never argue. She told me if I, if I ever got angry with you, I should just keep quiet and crochet a doll. The little old man was so moved, he had to fight back tears. Only two dolls were in the box after 60 years. She had been angry with him only two times in all those years of living and loving. He almost burst with tears of joy and happiness. Honey, he said, that explains the dolls, but what about all this money? Where did this money come from? And she said, oh, that's the money I made from selling the dolls. She became a rich woman, I'm telling you. I don't know what you've got to do to work through things. You may crochet dolls and sell them. That may be a good side job or something. 
But at some point, you've got to come to the realization that we've got to work through some things, right? We've got to move beyond it. We can't let this be our stopping or defining point. God helping us. God loves us enough to where he comes to us and he takes us where we are. Would you just be willing to take your husband or wife where he or she is? You say, well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm mad. I'm grieved. I'm broken. I'm disappointed. Would you be willing to humble yourself and say, Lord, I'll start right where we are. And I can't decide for another, but I can decide for myself to be that one that you would have me to be. There again, are you listening to me? Some of us, if we're not careful, you're going to live in a perpetual victim mindset. It's like, I cannot do anything. You can rise up and be what God wants you to be. You can live a life of victory. You can have peace in your heart. You can say, I want them to come along and I hope that we can come back together. But I know this that there's a God in heaven and as sure as the good shepherd lives, there's hope for me. There's a future in my life. And I'm not going to let anything rob me of what God can do yet in my life. God help a man will do everything I can to pursue God's blessing upon my marriage. We'll try God helping me. Rebecca and I have had many conversations through the years, and especially as God is working her heart now, she's writing and teaching and doing all these things. And I remember saying one day, she said, God spoke to her in prayer, and with what God's doing in her heart and what God has been doing in my heart and giving me the opportunity to pastor and preach and teach all these years, she said, I'm convinced God has more for us together than we could ever realize any other way. Serving God together. Not just for us, but for our children and our grandchildren and for others. May God speak to us. May our hearts be tendered before Him and one another. Let's stand with our heads bowed.